to be here. Praise the Lord, it's always good to be here around the saints of God and the things of God. Been thoroughly uplifting already hearing the wonderful testimonies of the, the Lord. And they are the Lord's testimonies that, uh, you know, of what he's worked in us. Praise the Lord. And I'd like to talk a bit about that today, that, uh, you know, the Lord's made us uh, his people and that uh, now that we're spirit-filled with the Bible evidence of speaking in other tongues, we do carry the Lord's testimony, which is just a wonderful blessing and privilege. But um, before I start, um, Ladka's testimony about the plane, that was amazing, wasn't it? Praise the Lord. But uh, it did remind me of a story that I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, it's, it's not true, it's a joke, but, you know, you, well, you're laughing now, so that's a good start. You, you may not laugh at the end, but uh, it might settle my nerves a bit. So anyway, um, so the thing is that uh, there's this guy right, and he's on a plane. He's, you know, he's on a business trip. He's got to get to an important uh, meeting, and as he's flying along, the plane's got four engines, you see. And uh, so, it, you know, the captain comes over the uh, intercom and says, "Oh, look, sorry to tell you that one of the engines has failed. So we're going to be an hour late." And uh, about half an hour later, oh, sorry, there's a second engine's gone. We're going to be two hours late. And then a little while later, so sorry to tell you that a third engine has flamed out, so we're going to be three hours late getting to our destination. We're so sorry if that messes with your plans. Um, and then a little while later, you guessed it, the captain comes on and says, um, the, you know, the fourth engine has flamed out. And this guy sitting in his seat leads over to the other guy and says, at this rate, we'll be up here all day. <laughs> so Exodus chapter 19. And uh, we know, of course, how that uh, God delivered the children of Israel from slavery with a strong and mighty hand. He opened up the Red Sea and... Uh, led them through there, dry shod, and then closed the Red Sea on um, the children of Israel's enemies, the Egyptians who had enslaved them, and they were set free and, you know, delivered. Uh, they had the Red Sea between them and the Egyptians now, so they truly were free. And uh, in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, it says, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Uh, in verse 6, And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And uh, so, you know, wonderful things that the Lord, uh, not only He had he set them free, but now he was promising them this incredible future in him where he would be with them and that he would love them and effectively that he'd adopted them as his own, very own people. And, of course, we understand the likeness now that we're filled with the Holy Spirit and that the Bible says that we've been made kings and priests unto the Lord. And over in verse 17, and Moses brought forth the people out of the camp uh, to meet with God, and Exodus 19, verse 17, uh, and they stood at the nether part of the mount, and Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord des descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount uh, quaked greatly. And I was just thinking, you know, how'd you be? You're in the presence of God. Red Sea's parted, you've gone through, and now the Lord is just going to continue with this plan 
uh, and speak to his people. Moses goes up Mount Sinai uh, as God commanded and the Lord speaks to him. Chapter 20 and verse 1, and God spoke uh, all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods uh, before me. And it goes on and he gives them, uh, uh, you know, quite a number of commandments about uh, what they should do, what they shouldn't do. You know, really, he's uh, telling them about his truth. If you do this, this will work. Um, and if we just go over to, uh, so I'm just setting the scene a bit there of what the, the Lord uh has been doing, and if we just go over to Joshua chapter 1, where the children of Israel pass into the promised land. And uh, Joshua 1 verse 1, and it says, Now after the death of Moses, uh, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, uh, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, uh, unto the land which I do give unto them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, uh, that have I given unto you, as I said uh, to Moses. He's a God who keeps his promises and never forgets. Uh, you know, we think about prophecies that have been fulfilled over thousands of years, like the deliverance of Jerusalem on the 9th of December, December 1917. You know, on the day. God never forgets his word and his promises. And verse 4, from the wilderness and, and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, uh, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And uh, so really it's because of that, in verse 6, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto uh, their fathers to give them. So, you know, it's because God won't fail or forsake us that we can be of good courage. We can be encouraged. You know, I think about words like that sometimes and sort of pull them apart a bit, you know, to put courage in someone. That's what happens here, isn't it? We get encouraged by the word of God. Verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou may observe to do according to uh, all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from the left nor to the, uh, sorry, turn from the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou may observe to do all according uh, to that is written therein. Uh, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. And it goes on there. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. Praise the Lord. Just over to chapter 3. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And in verse 3, And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, uh, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. 
So they're about to cross the Jordan, the River Jordan, into the Promised Land, and the priests are going to take the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony uh, before them, and the people are going to follow. And in verse 5, Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And over in verse 14, And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as they they that bear the Ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overflows all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up on a heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zeratan, and those that came down uh, toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed right over against Jericho. And the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground, in the midst of Jordan, and all the uh, Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. So we've got the children of Israel here. They come to Jordan. uh, As they come upon Jordan, uh, in front of them is the ark, this reminder of God's testimony and God's blessings and his covenant or his agreement with them that they would be his people and that he would be with them, that he would deliver them, that uh, he would make a way for them. Um, the reminder that they were now God's chosen people, a peculiar treasure unto him, that they were in God's presence, God's leading them, making a way for them always, you know, the, the Jordan parts and through they go. Just imagine being there and you're coming to this river and these guys are carrying this box in front of the people and as they hit Jordan, bam, you know, it parts and uh, they go through. You'd, you'd sort of figure onto something good, wouldn't you? Something amazing, something powerful and that God's uh, able to keep his word and his promises. And uh, so, you know, this ark's going before them, reminding them of the things uh, God's done and that he's with them. The ark contained uh, the tablets of stone with the law. You know, we saw a little bit before in Exodus there about the giving of the law, Sinai on a smoke, you know, rumbling, you know, the presence of God's there and uh, the law is given, that truth that they'd now received. So the ark of the covenant reminded them that God in his love and his mercy had made an agreement with them. You follow me and I'll do the miracles and I'll bless you and keep you and be with you everywhere you go. Be strong, be of good courage, be encouraged. Um, it's also the ark of the testimony. It contained the tablets of stone, you know, the reminder of the giving of the law. Uh, it contained... Uh, the manner, you know, reminding them of God's miraculous uh, provision in their life, that, you know, manna rained down from heaven. It contained Aaron's rod uh, that budded, signifying the choosing of the Lord. Um, I was uh, doing a Sunday school lesson in Whaler many years ago, and we happened to have an almond tree in the backyard. 
Um, so I thought I had a good idea at the time. So I, I went and broken, you know, a branch off the almond tree because it happened to be the right time of year. It had all the leaves on it and the, and the, you know, the almonds on there and so forth. And I got a cricket stump and I took it to the Sunday school lesson and basically said, well, this is what this is about. Basically, you had a dead stick, so to speak, a rod, okay, and God made it bud like this almond branch here. So it's an amazing thing to sort of stop and think about, you know, this amazing testimony. It was in the ark there to remind them everywhere they went that, you know, this is our God who's chosen us who's chosen Aaron uh, as the priest there and so on and so forth. The ark was overlaid with gold, you know, signifying that it was precious and that it was highly valued. God had, uh, you know, uh, told them to do it this way and it was for a reason. I mean, God can, you know, God doesn't need gold particularly, you know, he's, you know, everything in the earth is his, but he did it to put a message in there that his testimony is precious, that his people are precious and that he would look uh, after them and so forth. Um, We might just go to Hebrews chapter 9, just have a look at a few of these things. So God did all these amazing things for the children of Israel and uh, they all speak to us in this modern day. There are a type of things that uh, we're now involved in and we'll just read a bit here in... um, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1, and it says, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. Uh, there was a tabernacle made, the first which uh, was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. Now, of course, these things came a little bit after what we were just uh, reading about before, but nevertheless, we'll continue on. Verse 3, and after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant, and over it the cherubims of glory, overshadowing uh, the mercy seat, of which we cannot now uh, speak particularly. Uh, now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God, but into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, uh, which he offered for himself and the errors of the people, the Holy Ghost, uh, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. And so this is what I wanted to get to. We think about, you know, all these things about the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony, and they were all pointing, they were a, a shadow of things to come. They were a type of the future when people, men and women, would be filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, and now we carry the testimony of the Lord. We're the vessel that carries the mighty things the Lord's done. I mean, you know, talk about how'd you be. How'd you be coming to a revival meeting on a Sunday and hearing about blind people getting healed and people being protected and delivered from an aneurysm? We all understand how serious and difficult these things can be, but our God is able to deliver people out of all of them and it's just an encouraging thing to be reminded about the promises of God and that he's uh you know fulfilling them today and working in, in the lives of people 
and uh, working in our lives personally. Perhaps we've got a need today. We know what the Lord's able to do. He's able to lift us up, strengthen us, give us wisdom, give us whatever we need. We're fully equipped because we've got the Holy Ghost. We've got Jesus Christ the Son of God inside us. You know, when we think about all the things that we saw about the covenant and the, the Ark of the Covenant, I'm pretty sure I wrote some things down if I read my notes, that, that could be helpful. Um, but, uh, you know, what I want to do is just think about how that the Bible talks about the fact that the Old Testament was glorious. The things that the Lord did with his people and in his people was glorious but the bible says that what we have now exceeds that in glory because jesus the son of god came and gave his life to save us and fill us with his spirit and now we're his children praise the lord um i found my list (laughs) you know which is a good thing okay um you know now that we're spirit filled the lord's made an agreement a covenant with us You follow me and walk in the spirit with all your heart and I'll bless you and I'll keep you and I'll lead you on to the promised land that, you know, God's prepared for you and I. Jesus Christ is coming back. There's going to be a, uh, you know, a trumpet of the archangel and Jesus Christ is going to burst through the clouds and we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye and we're going to rise up into glory, you know, it says something about the last trump shall sound. Well, perhaps it has <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> but we know that's not what it's actually talking about, of course. I'm just, just kidding. But uh, anyway, so the Lord's made an agreement, a covenant with his people, with you and I. He's placed his testimony within us. Now we're his chosen people. We're in his presence. He's always there to make a way for us. Think about the Jordan. You know, when we face some trial or difficulty, that you know, uh, the Lord is able to make a way for us. Um, we might also use the the uh, the story there of the children of Israel when they were up against the Red Sea. There was nowhere for them to go in the natural; they were trapped. But the Lord said, you know, speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. And you know, the the rod, the symbol of the authority of God, um, was upheld. And the children of Israel went through their dry shod. So the Lord certainly has made a way for us through Jesus Christ. He's delivered us from sin and from death. And he's able to deliver us from sickness and whatever else might come upon us. And uh, he's going to take us to the promised land. Praise the Lord. He provides all, sorry, I'll stand back a bit. He provides all our needs according to his riches in glory. There's a sister in Wyala uh, called Jivka that many of you may know. And uh, she had high cholesterol. So uh, she dutifully went to the doctor um, and she was diagnosed with this thing. And so the doctor had some things to say about things that she should or shouldn't eat. And um, two of her favourite things, I don't know whether the doctor asked her specifically, but two of the favourite things that she liked were chocolate and chicken skin. And the doctor said, no, Jivka, no more. You can't eat the chocolate or the chicken skin anymore. And she was quite sad about this, you see. So she tried to not eat chocolate and chicken skin, but she just couldn't do it, <laughs> as it turns out. And so instead she prayed and said, Lord, I'm really struggling here. I need you to help me. 
So she kept eating the chocolate and the chicken skin, apparently, went back to the doctor uh, some time later, and the doctor checked her cholesterol again and um, and basically said to her, you know, your, your cholesterol's perfect. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> And she said, well, uh, I haven't actually been sticking, you know, rigidly to your diet. <laughs> like, not at all. Um, but I prayed, doctor, and God's healed me. So that was, she was very happy about that, as you can imagine. Just another one with Zivka. She, for many, many years, as long as I knew her, she got spirit-filled in 1990. She needed glasses. And then some strange things started happening with her eyes. So she went to the optometrist and the optometrist said, well, the thing is, Jivka, you don't need glasses anymore, which was an amazing thing that the Lord did in her life as well. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing. We carry the Lord's testimony now individually because we're filled with his spirit. Christ dwells within us. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He lives within us, with us everywhere we go. We can be strong and of good courage because he truly is with us everywhere we go. He's inside us. And... uh also collectively as a fellowship. It's just a wonderful thing to be able to come together um, and be encouraged and reminded of who we are. It's like the ark, you know, in front of us, leading the way, miracles happening. We come here and, you know, we're quarter of the way through the meeting and we've just heard about exciting and wonderful miracles. And it just reminds us that the testimony of the Lord is before us And I remember a brother years ago referring to Psalm 133. You don't have to turn there, or if you'd like to, you can keep your finger in Hebrews 9 because I think we're going to be going back there in a little while. Um, But Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. This is how the Lord sees us gathering together around the things of God, as Pastor David was saying. We need to make provision and make time and make an effort in our life uh, to gather around these things because they're so good, aren't they? All the people said, praise the Lord. Um, and it's an encouraging thing. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. But a brother said some years ago that it says uh, just above there, a song of degrees of David. So I suppose when this was originally written, it was, it was a song. Now I don't know what the tune was, um, when it was first written, but we know what it says. And that's the way he put it was that idea of a song of degrees of David is like the degrees, uh, on a sundial or, a, or, you know, degrees as in, uh, navigation or, or lifting your head up. Like, you know, a song of degrees that as we get together, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, that it lifts our head up, doesn't it? It lifts us up towards the things of God and reminds us of who we are and what we've got, that we've got the Lord in our life and his testimony, just like the Old Testament children of Israel had the uh, the ark there in front of them to remind them. You know, uh, God provides all of our needs. Uh, I was saying the Lord's placed his testimony within us. We are his chosen people. Remember the rod that budded signifying the choosing of God? Well, we've been chosen, filled with the Holy Ghost, called by him, praise the Lord. 
He provides all of our needs, you know, the, the pot of manna there, reminding them of the provision of God. The Lord truly does provide all of our needs, whether it's physically, emotionally, spiritually, wisdom when we need it. Uh, we only have to just sit at the feet of Jesus, so to speak, don't we? And he's going to have something for us that we're going to need, whether it's today or sometimes you might hear something and think, oh, you know, Perhaps it doesn't feel like it applies to me today, but it's amazing how we hear things or someone makes a statement in a testimony or a talk or it might just be in fellowship and, you know, it might be some years later that you're in a circumstance where you think, yep, that's that's the answer to my situation. That thing that I heard uh, that other time was the bit of wisdom, uh, that bit of knowledge, that precious understanding that I need now. So it's worth tuning in, isn't it? Praise the Lord. He's written his law in our hearts and in our minds. Remember the the tablets of stone? Well, the Bible talks about a new covenant. Hopefully we'll get time to uh, have a look at that in a few minutes, that he's written the law in our hearts and in our minds. You know, I couldn't stop swearing before I got spirit-filled. I tried. Uh, I applied my heart to it uh, because my dad shamed me into it actually um, he said to me one day because we used to play golf uh, I was a teenager at the time and he said to me one day he said Mark I never want to play golf with you again you're that bad tempered um, and I was pretty bad I must I must say like sometimes I'd hit the ball and it didn't go very far and so the club went further than the ball <laughs> and then I'd go hit the ball again and pick the club up on the way through <laughs> which was not very good. But I, you know, I just couldn't uh, seem to, couldn't seem to kick that habit. Um, so one day at school, I thought, I was at high school and I thought, right, I'm going to, I'm going to stop swearing. And I didn't do very well. In fact, I gave up by recess time that same day. <laughs> but when I received the Holy Spirit, and of course, we've all got our wonderful story to tell as well. Praise the Lord. That's, it's a wonderful thing. But, but my personal testimony that when I received the Holy Spirit, God took it away. It was like swearing gave me up. You know, it packed its bags and left. And after a week, I realized I'm not swearing anymore. And I, and I loved the change. I loved what the Lord had done in my life without me even specifically asking it was like a wonderful byproduct of calling on him for the holy ghost he started just cleaning up all sorts of aspects of my life and giving me a confidence inside that i certainly never had before i was quite an introvert before i got spirit filled but praise the lord we can truly rejoice in what the lord's done in our life and how he's changed us many of course have been delivered from alcohol drugs cigarettes sickness fear depression anxiety in fact you name it we've got a wonderful library of testimonies here that we can call upon and uh and that we hear about and and they're a bit like the the wonderful uh pieces that we get from test uh, talks and other things you know you hear a testimony and quite often it can be down the track that it encourages us or it might even be the exact thing that we're going through and we're reminded that someone else was delivered by the power of god because we know he's a miracle-working God. Um, golf is actually a good analogy for my life before I got spirit-filled, because I think the definition of golf is you hit the ball, go looking for it, usually for me out in the scrub somewhere, um, and then 
if you find it, then you just hit it again and do it all over again, which doesn't seem very logical really, does it? But there you go. Um, but in life, it was like I was always looking for something and never quite finding it. Um, it's a little bit like the dog that chases cars. You know, when I was a kid in Broadbent Terrace, uh, there was a family that lived in, this is in Wyala, Broadbent Terrace, but anyway, uh, there was a, there was a, um, a dog that lived in the street. We were on a main road, so cars would come down 60 kilometres an hour, you know, around this bend, and out of the yard, this dog would come tearing out, barking at these cars. Like, I mean, what's the point of that? Like, um, I'm pretty sure the car's gonna win a scuffle with the dog, but try telling the dog that. He would just kept chasing these cars. Um, you know, and I pictured a dog with a bumper bar in its mouth. I mean, like, now what? I've caught the car. Now what? And, uh, life can be a little bit like that without the Lord. In the natural, people can chase after all sorts of things and never quite catch them. Or even if they do, like the dog with the bumper bar in its mouth, now what? What am I going to do now? Um, but now that we're spirit filled, the Lord's satisfied us. We don't have to go looking for anything particularly anymore, do we? We know we've got all that pertains to life and godliness. Jesus Christ is coming back for us and he satisfies our soul with good things like peace, uh, strength inside, um, and just a vision that he's coming back for us. Um, I was just thinking when I was thinking about this talk and, and the Ark of the Testimony that really we were like an empty box. Certainly I was empty before I got spirit-filled and certainly were, we were empty in that we were devoid of the things of the Lord, of the knowledge, you know, of the true promises of God, of being saved and so forth. Some of us might have known a bit about the Bible before we got spirit-filled, but the Holy Spirit, Living inside us is when it's written on our heart and suddenly we understand, don't we? Suddenly it all makes sense. We can, you know, go, we go home, we read Acts chapter two. They're all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and say, that happened to me. I understand now. We were like an empty box and then God fills us with his Spirit and makes us his peculiar uh, treasure, his special people. There's a line there about being peculiar, but I won't go there. But, um, you know, it actually means he's chosen his special people, his own people. He overlays us with gold. He puts his testimony inside us. So, you know, overlays us with gold. We're precious in the Lord's sight. He puts his testimony inside us, gives us peace. Hebrews 8 verse 5. And it says, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, referring to the tabernacle and the Old Testament things. Uh, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. So that was another thing God showed Moses when he was on Mount Sinai. Uh, but now has he has, uh, obtained a more excellent ministry by how much... Uh, also is he the mediator of a better covenant which is established upon better promises. This is talking about Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the message of being born again, the New Testament, the New Covenant. Verse 7, for if 
uh, that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been for, uh, sought for the second. But finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, says the Lord. So, you know, the children of Israel forgot, they turned away, and so uh, God God actually already had a plan uh, in store. I mean, Genesis chapter 3 talks about uh, really Jesus Christ, the Saviour coming to the earth uh, when it, uh, Adam and Eve uh, fell there. So, you know, God saw us afar off, and he had a plan in place to save us. Verse 10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them uh, a God, and they shall be to me a people, and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins uh, and their iniquities will I remember no more. And that's our situation with the Lord now. Spirit-filled, Jesus Christ uh, has come to shed his blood and to give his life, that our sins would be blotted out, that we'd be forgiven, that we'd have a clean slate in the sight of God and that we can have confidence to approach him, knowing that He's he's made us his children and he's made us clean not by our works but by his righteousness. And so we can really hold on to that, can't we? That it's all about what he's done in our life. It's about his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness that is with us uh, daily. Praise the Lord. Verse 13 in that he says a new covenant he has made the first old, now that which is uh, which decayeth and waxes old is ready to vanish away. So the Old Testament's done away with, and there's a new and better way now through the Holy Ghost. Um, I've just got a, a little bit more. The other thing about, uh, if we just have a peek back at um, Hebrews 9, which is just the next chapter, and uh, verse 4, uh, oh, sorry, verse 5, and it says, Over at the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, uh, and so on. It goes there. So the thing was, we've got this box, the Ark of the Covenant, um, and, you know, it's overlaid with gold and it carries the testimony of God and, you know, it's a type of the situation that we find ourselves in now. But the lid of the box, you, for want of a better term to just try and explain uh, what that looked like or, you know, perhaps more importantly, the covering was the mercy seat. Overshadowing it all was uh, the mercy of God. And um, so we'll just go to Romans chapter 3. And so we've got this situation now where we're the vessels unto honour, filled with his spirit. We've got the Lord's testimony inside us. We're filled with his spirit. And overshadowing us is the mercy of God. No, the Lord didn't reward us according to our works. Um, Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. Um, 
and I just think about my own life and the things that I did and said. Um, you know, my mum's a paranoid schizophrenic and I said some horrible things to her because I, she said some terrible things but she, because she's sick um, and wasn't really able to control her own thinking, let alone anything else in her life, which is a terrible situation to be in. But I, I just returned bitterness and vitriol to her because she made me angry. And, uh, and I suppose that's just the whole nature of the flesh, isn't it? And I dare say God could have been the same towards us because many of us disregarded God, perhaps even ridiculed his son. I know I did. And yet we have this amazing situation where God saw us afar off and 2,000 years ago he sent his son to die to render good for our evil and to call us and to be patient with us, to forgive us and to call us to his side, which is just an incredible concept. And I just think about that box that the priest carried over Jordan containing, you know, it was called the Ark of the Testimony, the Ark of the Covenant or the Agreement. It went before them, leading the way. You know, God made a way for them, part of the Red Sea. And when we think about our life and our situation, I mean, I know I deserve nothing from the Lord. And yet Jesus Christ went first and made the way and gave his life to open up a way of salvation for us. I mean, it says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door that we might enter in and and we have through the Holy Spirit. So we've just got so much to give uh, thanks for about the mercy of God. And so the thought is that overshadowing everything else that uh, we have um, is uh, the mercy of God in our life which is really the glue that holds it all together. We'd be lost without the mercy of God. Like it says here in Romans 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3, verse 23, if I didn't say that before. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed uh, through the forbearance of God. <laughs> he truly has, you know, been forbearing with us, hasn't he? Verse 26, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of them which uh, believe in Jesus. And so, praise the Lord, through him we're right in his sight, we're called to be his children. That word propitiation means to appease. Uh, so God was appeased by the sacrifice of Jesus. You know, um, you know, his anger towards us was taken away and uh, replaced with mercy and forgiveness because Jesus died to forgive our sins. And it also means a covering. And many scholars equate that word with the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony. Um, so anyway, praise the Lord. What an amazing situation that we find now in the Lord. Uh, I just want to finish in Hebrews chapter 12. Actually, I did want to say something else, but I'm pretty much out of time. So we'll stay in Hebrews 12. But uh, the other thought that I wanted to bring out too was that... Um, So in a way, the Lord's decorated us, hasn't he? You know, if we were like an empty box before 
and the the type is with the Ark of the Covenant, which was overlaid with gold and just, you know, quite a special thing. And really it's a type now of the fact that we're spirit-filled and in the Lord. Well, he's decorated us. And if you get time to read Titus 2 for homework, it talks about some, you know, practical areas of walking in the Lord. And, and I think it refers to, you know, obeying our masters according to the flesh and, and being sober-minded and sound speech that cannot be condemned. But the bit that I wanted to get to, it's uh, um, Titus 2 verse 10, talks about that by being a good testimony as as we are, because we just want to glorify the Lord's now, name, glorify the Lord's name now because he's lifted us up out of sin. It talks about that they may adorn the doctrine of God uh, our Saviour in all things for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So it's like, given that he's decorated us now, well, we, um, we sort of decorate the Lord's, uh, uh, doctrine. We, we bring it to life in the sense of, you know, we can read it as words on a page, but the Lord's written his law in your heart and in your mind now. And we're, so we're able to understand it and live it because he's given us the power through the Holy Ghost. And I just love the way it it puts it here that as we serve the Lord and shine as a light for the Lord, whether it's at work or at school or at the supermarket, wherever we go, as we, you know, as we walk in the Lord, we adorn the doctrine of God our Saviour in all things, you know. And I think of a brother who I met before I heard anything about the gospel. I worked with him and he... I got sent to ask him about a job and I was only, you know, a youngster, about 20. He was older. Uh, I didn't know he was spirit-filled, but I just thought there is something different about this guy. He was nice to me and he was sincere. There was something about him that I just couldn't put my finger on and I found out when I came to the Lord that it was because he was spirit-filled. So never underestimate the power of just a kind word to someone. It doesn't always have to be a a full-blown witness to someone. But as we go about our business serving the Lord, well, it can make a real difference and open up an opportunity for us to tell people about the hope that we do have. But I should go back to Hebrews 8, uh, 12, sorry, and finish. Because we started off at Sinai there. And, you know, how'd you be to be there? To see the things that the children of Israel saw. For God to speak to Moses and give him the law, just an incredible situation here. But um, I just want to finish in Hebrews 12, verse 18. It says here for Hebrews 12, verse 18, says, For you were not come unto the mount uh, that might be touched, uh, that burned with fire, nor with blackness and uh, darkness and tempest, uh, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice that they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure that which was commanded. Uh, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned and thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake, but you are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God. It's talking about the New Testament situation, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, uh, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? 
This is talking about the situation we're in now. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than of Abel. And so praise the Lord, you know, that uh, not only have we got so much now, but we've got so much to um, look forward to. I mean, I was thinking about, you know, the blood of Abel, which spoke of the flesh and, you know, uh, the sin of mankind and, the, you know, the separation from God. And we just think about that. And really it encapsulates the world. I mean, look at the trouble the world is in today. Wars and rumours of wars, uh, you know, protests in America, uh, COVID-19, uh, so many, you know, the world's got more troubles than you can poke a stick at, hasn't it, really? Um, and yet the Lord has delivered us out of all of that to a situation where it's not, you know, the shedding of blood and the hatred of this world and the flesh that, you know, that uh, the situation that we were involved in before we came to the Lord, um, whatever that might have looked like, we've been delivered from that and we've been delivered to a situation where the blood of the Son of God has been uh, shed to set us free and make us whole and give us eternal life. Praise the Lord. Amen.